One hundo. Cabo Nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 100 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combo's Court. That's right. You heard it. Episode 100 is here. Big thanks to all of the listeners across the globe and shouts to all of the guests that have been on Combo's Court, man. Combo Nation, we are out here. We're just getting started, man. Today's show, man, an hour-long conversation, actually over an hour-long conversation for episode 100 of Combo's Court. Corey Homicide Williams joins in. He shares his own story, which is a story of perseverance, hard work, and self-awareness, man, which I actually speak to on this episode. If you don't know, Corey was named one of the top 25 streetball players of all time by Complex Magazine. He's a former MVP of Australia's NBL League. That's right. That's the league that's getting all the hype right now with LaMelo and RJ Hampton. And Corey actually happens to be currently an NBL TV analyst. We had so much to talk about, and I'm glad we got this conversation in. And I'm super excited to share it with you guys for episode 100. You could follow Corey on Instagram at chomicide. That's C-H-O-M-I-C-I-D-E. You know you can follow me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. actually names you one of the top streetball players currently an analyst for in the NBL. How are you, man? How's everything? Everything is fantastic, but um Complex ranked me top one of the top 25 greatest. I was <laughs> like, whoa. But you know what? If you're top 25, you could be top five as well. But we'll get to that yeah, later. For sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. You know, I don't know if you know this, Corey, but I actually grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in Riverdale. Um, So can you paint me a picture of what it was like for you growing up in the Bronx? Well... There's two types of the Bronx, okay? You have <laughs> Riverdale. <laughs> right. <laughs> Riverdale is the Bronx, but basically, when you think of Riverdale, it really was back in the day. People don't understand that the whole Bronx was predominantly Jewish. But then right. a lot of my father grew up there. I'm Jewish for sure. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of the different cultures started coming to the Bronx and majority of Jewish people was like, listen, we're going up to this area and we're calling this shit Riverdale. Y'all can have this shit. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of, a lot of immigrants came, you know, a lot of people don't really know like the history of the Bronx. The Bronx is literally considered the armpit of New York city. Like it's like we got Manhattan, we got Brooklyn, we got Queens, we got Staten Island. And whatever's left, let's just call it the Bronx. You know what I mean? The rest of you motherfuckers just for sure. up there. That's the Bronx. For sure, for sure. You know, um, right. growing up, you know, I'm, I'm a little older. I'm 42. So right. I grew up in an era where 
the Bronx was real. It was burning. It was on fire. That's when you know. Right. Um, I actually seen was, a documentary on Netflix, on Netflix about that. It was yeah. really crazy. Like it was literally yeah. people who owned buildings would burn them, and then collect insurance money. So a lot of the Bronx was right. just burnt down and abandoned buildings. Right. You know what I'm saying? Including an area like on, on my block. You know, like there was right. two abandoned buildings. You know what I'm saying? So and what like, section was that? What 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 section from, exactly was that? I'm from 173rd and Monroe Avenue, which is off gotcha. the Grand Concourse between the Grand Concourse okay. and Webster Avenue. There's a street called right. Monroe Avenue, right? So okay. three stops away, I'm at Yankee Stadium on the D train. I'm on the D train line. Yeah, that's where we grew up. You know, my family's Jamaican. You know, my my parents they came up from Jamaica, and um, you know, obviously had us procreated had myself and you know the cousins and you know their kids grew up um it was tough um we're no welfare case at all but growing up in the bronx it was it was hard it was tough you know and uh, right you know come from parents and families that you know big on education and hard work so graduating high school was no big deal graduating college was the norm that's what you were supposed to do you become productive be a good person, get a job, and you know, do whatever you're doing from there. So, right, I um, right, I have to, I have, I do have to respond to the Riverdale thing though. See, look, so Corey, look, when I say I'm from Riverdale, they say, oh, you're too good to say you're from the Bronx, and then when I say I'm from the Bronx, they go, you're not from the Bronx, you're from Riverdale. So, you know, nothing's right. You know what I mean? I can't. I got no what look, I say. Look. It's a problem. <laughs> I told. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you, Drew. <laughs> right. People be like, from Riverdale. Oh, you can't say you're not from the Bronx. <laughs> No matter what, no matter what, either I can't way, get it right, man. Right, right. Either way, either way. Uh, <laughs> all right, there's a lot. There's a lot of hype around the NBL, but before we get into that, I want to talk to your experience, um, getting that, getting those workouts, veteran camp with the Raptors, because you know a lot of guys who play in the street ball circuit, they're like, yeah, I'm gonna play street ball and go overseas. You not only did that, but you were like as close as you could get to making the NBA. Can you speak to that whole situation? Well, um. You know, I was a late bloomer. I ended up going to Rice High School not not um, because of basketball. You know, middle school I was a class clown, and my grades reflected okay. that. And I was I was in school back in those days where they graded you based on your behavior. You know what I mean? So if you're an open yeah, yeah, definitely, and you're good, you'll get a C before D or or an F. Right, but if you're just okay and you're a fucking class clown, they're gonna grade you. My report card was all red. Put it like that. So, um, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> so after I, I was, I was so bad in middle school, I couldn't even graduate. They just like, yo, look, just here, just know that you graduate, you're not walking. That was like one of the worst things in my life. Like I couldn't walk. That's after, crazy. Yeah. After graduating middle school, so right. Um, from there, I got accepted to Washington Irving High School. I didn't get accepted to any other school that I wanted to. How could I? My grades were bad. Right. So my mother, we went to orientation. My mother took me to Washington Irving, which is in the village, and I was online for orientation. If there was 20 people, it was literally like 13 girls. I said, oh, I'm going to love this. <laughs> my mother said, oh, you think so? We left. I didn't even get my ID for orientation. The next day, she takes me to this little school on 124th and Lennox in Harlem. And it right. was a Catholic all-boys school where you got to wear a tie. 
shoes, slacks. You know, this is my first time that I can remember I was in Harlem. You know, when you're that young, you don't really leave your borough, to be honest with you, unless, you know, you have friends right. or family down there. I didn't have any friends or family in, in Harlem. So this definitely, I, I, you definitely, you definitely didn't have the perspective you have now when, when you see so many countries, you know, you just see that black. Yeah, you crazy. know what I'm saying? So yeah. what happened was uh, we went into the school and I'm like, man, what the hell is this? My mother said, shut your ass up. We sat down. We spoke to the dean, Brother Walderman at the time. And he looked at my transcript and said, you know, I'm sorry. Um, we cannot let him in this school. And he will academically fail. There's no way with these grades he can handle the curriculum. My mother begged the dean to let her son in the school. And he said, okay, what we will do is we'll put him on academic probation. Depending on what he does the first half of the year, we'll determine if he can stay with this, stay in the school. My mother paid tuition and I had a 3.0 GPA all the way through. And it wasn't wow. because of academics. I couldn't handle it or not. It was just the fact that I needed discipline and structure. And that's what Rice High School gave me. Um, accountability breeds responsibility. It held me accountable. Right. You know, like my dad died when I was three. So my mom and, and, and myself, Damn. my brother, my sister. So, you know, a, a woman can never in a million years teach a young boy how to be a man. You know what I mean? So for me to get right. the structure that I needed academic wise, it shaped my life forever. Rice High School. I, you know, I, the the thing that most people will never get is the brotherly bond. You know how some people can go to a major university, like you see the Duke, North Carolina. These right. guys are brothers. It, they, a guy could graduate 20 years ago and meet a new guy right now. Automatically, that's his brother. You know what I mean? Oh, you went to Duke? Oh, right. my brother off the rip. That's what Rice High School was. And that was the first taste of brotherly love amongst each other. You know, so right. Rice High School put me on the put me on the on the on the right path. Not to mention it was a basketball powerhouse. You know, for sure. I was I was a late bloomer. I wasn't good. I just had a lot of energy. And if anything else, I can get to the basket. You know, back in those days, I was out of control, but I could still get to the basket. That's what we do. That's in definitely a, that's definitely a characteristic of a New York City ball player yeah. too. You gonna get, get to, to the, the basket yeah, for sure. So. Right. You know, long story short, I'm going to fast forward the whole Rice High School experience. It was so many good basketball players at that school. They had to have a varsity B team. Too right. much talent. I played varsity B my junior year. Usually it's freshman, JV, varsity for two years. There was so much talent in that school. My junior year, I had to play varsity B. My senior year, I played Crazy. varsity A. And um, my varsity B assistant coach, got me a look to go to JUCO. I left Rice High School jaded with a chip on my shoulder because as a kid, you want help. You know what right. I'm saying? You're a kid yeah, definitely. who wants to play ball. You want help. How the fuck should you know how this thing really goes when you are a child? You don't know. So you rely on older people to help you because naturally that's how it's supposed to go. I didn't get that. So I left Jada with a chip on my shoulder because I wasn't so good. And I said to everybody at that school, I'm not good now, but I'm going to work hard and I'm going to catch all of y'all. 
and I'm going to bust all of y'all on y'all ass. They laughed. <laughs> I left. I went to JUCO. Yeah. Got better. My freshman year, got no playing time because the guy in front of me was better than me. He was a sophomore. He came. We won the championship, and he was JUCO All-American. Cool. The chip is getting bigger. You won, you won the national championship? You won the my, national championship? My freshman year, yeah. My sophomore wow, okay. year, I lost in the championship. I became first team All-American. Right. Body got bigger. Body got better. But I was still a late bloomer. Ended up going to Alabama State University. I wanted to go to a HBCU because of the picture that Bill Cosby and his production team painted for what HBCUs are supposed to look like and be, which was a show called A Different World. He went to right. Howard University. So he the, the, the show portrayed an HBCU, and it was dope. It was people that looked like me. And it was an awesome experience yeah. to watch. So I wanted to go to a school like that. I had the opportunity to. I went. My junior year, I averaged 15 a game. So my senior year, I'm preseason first team all SWAT conference, which is a Division One Alabama State, Montgomery, Alabama. Right. Went. We lost a lot of the preseason non-conference games. And pretty much my coach pretty much just sat us. He gave up on us and like, fuck it, I'll just get the – the freshman class ready. That's how my senior season went down the fucking tube. I ended up averaging like 10 a game. You know what I'm saying? Splitting time right. with a freshman. Right? So I graduated, got my degree in criminal justice. Oh, and I grad I left JUCO. I had to grad I graduated, obviously. Told my mother, Ma, I want to play pro. She said, Look, I don't care what you want to do, just graduate. I said, No problem. That degree was for her, not me. I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. I don't have a plan B mentality. Whatever I set out to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to play pro. I don't have a coach to pop, to push me. I don't have an agent. I ain't got no money. I ain't got no guidance. Only thing I know is, well, I'm reading a magazine in the dorm. The street ball shit is popping in New York. I guess I got to go heat the streets up and just go pro from there. This is exa- This right. is how ignorant i am at that point to actually believe and, and Corey, and Corey, you actually did it there's so many people with that same exact plan you know what i mean it's exactly. crazy exactly yeah i actually believed i was gonna kill the streets in new york and get a look to go pro and i didn't say pro overseas i said nba right right my first job i go i go home I'm not Corey Williams from Rice High School. I was a different type of beast. I was a different type of unit. My body matured. That chip on my shoulder from Rice High School four years later, that shit was big. I said, where the fuck is the run? At that time, I was at Gaucho Gym. I walked in that gym. The first game I played, if game was 11, I had nine. Out of the 11. The guards were too little. These were big name guys. Okay? Yeah. Future was in the building. And I ain't talking. This At this point, we're talking the height of streetball. This is 2000. Summer of 2000. Right. There was no N1. That's when, the, that's, when, that's when, like, the game over uh, was out, right? 
game over with that type of big that type of shit. Yeah, that type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying like this shit was real. This was when like Charles Jones was back to back leading the NCAA in scoring. I mean, facts. LIU facts. This was this was the height of streetball. Yeah, I said I'm gonna write a list down of every ill fucking streetball player. Everybody who the streets are talking about, everybody on their dick, blah, blah, blah. I'm writing their names down. And I'm going to take their fucking heads off. I ain't talking about 20. I'm talking about 40. On my worst game, is 30 in the books. My worst. I said, I'm right. going to find a team where guys aren't that good. And I'm going to get the ball. And I'm going to shoot the ball. I'm going to do it at whatever the fuck I want to do. I don't care about winning. I care about the opponent not being able to look me in my eye. Okay? They used to say. And to be honest, and to be honest in street ball, it's not about winning. It's about one of matchups, really, to be honest. Okay. You know? Now we're getting somewhere, right? Because the next thing <laughs> I was going to say was, tell me the all-time winning in street ball play in the history of street ball. Right. Right. Tell me the guy with the most championships in street ball. Nobody cares. Who gives a fuck? Right. Tell me about that matchup when a fucking guy gives an NBA player 40. We'll talk about that. Remembered forever. forever. <laughs> Facts. We'll talk about that forever. So I knew what my mission was. I didn't want to team up with the best guys for what? I want to take your fucking head off. That's how I'm going to get on. Why would I go right. through a list of all these guys that's following the main guy. Take the fucking main guy head off. They all other, other guys going to respect you. That was my mission. My man Jay Monster put me on. Me and Bone Collector was in the backcourt. If it wasn't right. for him, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And what I mean by that is he gave me the platform. He said, yo, this is your team. Do what the fuck you want. We used to go out of state playing games. Niggas is going with guns because the way Bone Collector killing motherfuckers, and I'm I'm going straight at you. Bone Collector's going to embarrass you. Throw the ball between your legs, over the head. Motherfuckers is going to laugh at you. People don't like that. And we out of towners. Motherfuckers is calling yeah. us. Yo, look, here's what we're doing. We going out of town. They paying for us to come. And we got, we got, we got, we got people with us because we already know how this thing is going to go. If you yeah. don't pay us, it's going to be a problem. If we embarrassing people, guess what? They people don't like that because their people coming to see them bust our ass. This shit was for real, B. Definitely. This was for real where, you know, a couple of my peoples got locked up in prison behind all of this. This shit was real. People don't understand. They see what it is today. But the journey, the journey, the shit we had to do, places we had to go play, this shit was real, man. It was real. It wasn't all shits and giggles. There yeah, was no, for there sure. Was for sure. There was nothing else. Sure. So when we approach these games, we approach it because our life is on the line. You couldn't get your ass bust in that park because your name is gone. That's it. Do I have an agent? No. Do I have a big rep? No. So if I get killed in that park, what happens? The fucking dream is gone. We could not allow that to happen. Protect your rep with your life. Ain't no fucking, I'm going to jump on a team with five dope guys because I want to win a championship. Get the fuck out of here. 
what the fuck is that? What is that? That's the shit that'll kill yeah. your ass right in the fucking park. Keep you in the park. Don't be on the same team with five dudes as dope. Go at them. That's how you become fucking legendary. Fast forward. Ended up going overseas. My first job. My the first year I killed New York. You don't you don't kill it in the, you don't kill and take the whole summer took the whole New York City over in one year. One summer. It's fucking one summer. Do that shit over. Right. Exactly. And that's anything in life, Corey. You got to do things over time. You know what yeah. I mean? Do sure. that shit over yeah. fucking decade. Then you're saying something. Definitely. So I knew. Plus, you're not catching everybody in one summer. Because if you're the cream, if you're the cream of the crop, you're like, all right, cool. Like, I got to chase him. I think he got to get to me. He got to work hard to get to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that summer, I met Sid Jones. God bless the dead. Sid Jones, James Ryan. You know, um, and Sam Worthen. Right. So everybody's like, yo, you got to meet Sid. You got to meet Sid, blah, blah, blah. Met Sid Jones. These are the guys that are, these are the streetball godfathers, so to speak. You know what I mean? These are the main men. They mm-hmm. coach, you know, and um, they, that's what they get the ultimate respect. So I ended up meeting him. I said, listen, man, I need some help. He said, look, I'll tell you this right now. I don't, I don't have, a, I'm not an Asian or anything like that. But what we do, we get guys like, there's a globe charter tour. So they said, look, what we can do is put you on the tour with the Globetrotters, but it's not the Globetrotters. It's the New York Nationals. So get this. My first paying job playing basketball was on tour with the Washington fucking Generals, a.k.a. the team that loses. That never wins. The Globetrotters (laughs) every fucking night. That was Corey, I didn't even know you played job. for them. That was my <laughs> first crazy. job. The real quick, I didn't even know that. Up, right? So on top of this, <laughs> wow. this is me fresh out of school. It's like, okay, you want to just be home? Yeah. I said, look, I'll take it. Better than being home, this is a start. Yeah. This is a start. It's better than being home, back at mom's, doing it's a, nothing. It's a, step, it's a step forward. Step forward. Fucking right. Step forward. I said, I'll take it. And you know what that did? We toured like rock stars. And what I meant by that, the Globetrotters are rock stars. Who don't know the Globetrotters? Yeah. That's the most right. famous basketball team in the world. Right. With that, boy from the Bronx, went to school in the Midwest, and I ended up finishing college down south. I got lucky enough to be on the West Coast tour. We played in NBA arenas, and we toured the whole West Coast, which allowed me back then to travel all across the 50 states. So now I'm seeing the whole America on a bus playing basketball. It's really a show, but every time we get it, we trying to score. So anyway, I leave from there. That tour was done. Ended up coming back home, jumped into the USBL. Average 20 a game with the Brooklyn Kings. Then I went and played in DR, Dominican Republic. From there, I ended up going to fucking Brazil the next season. So I played the whole season, my first pro full season job, 2001, 2002. I went to Brazil. Then it started going. Right, which was definitely, which definitely a step up from DR. I mean, so you were fuck yeah, of course. Right. I was there when, yeah, yeah. Yo, first of all, I was there when the Brazil League was tough as fuck. For the listeners, for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nene, yeah. Nene was there. That was the year Nene got drunk. Right. Um, Right. Leonardo Barbosa, Leandrino Barbosa was playing in the Brazilian. Like the shit was tough. Brazil, that's a tough ass league. Yeah. For sure. And um after that I started getting gigs. It wasn't easy. They were low paying, 
But guess what? It's a start, right? Yep. So what you do, you, you kill that league as best as you can. You play well. You get to the playoffs. And then you cut up your film and stats. And then you fucking, hopefully the agent that you get, you know, at the time could, could get you work. That's all it is. Could get you work. With this overseas shit, people don't understand how much of a grind it is. People see the celebrity in it. They don't understand the work that comes with it. They don't know the yeah. mindset you have to have. They don't understand the grind that comes with it. They don't not know not knowing you where you'll be next paid. week, the next year. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Sure. You're living out yeah. of a fucking suitcase. You gotta be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know right, the type right. of mental you to be an import? To yep. be an import? You can't have no fucking bad nights. You could get you could get cut on a good night. Easy. You can get cut on a good night. There'd, there'd be a dude in the fucking stands waiting for the game to be over to take your spot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the, the shit is so real. It's so real, and people don't even understand. They just think because you playing ball overseas, you got it made. You got a lot of money. No. This shit is a grind. Definitely. But this is what I signed up for. You know, but regardless of all of that, all I would look forward to is the summertime because playing pro, cool, that shit was great, but I owned the city when it came to street ball. These are my chances to get potentially the matchups with NBA players that will get me the opportunity to go to the NBA. That's the play in my mind. I'm in the position. I'm on the court. I got the ball. Rucker Park is on NBA TV. The fucking eyes that are watching Rucker at the time was incredible. So I think, and I think, I think you and Bone had a lot to do with getting that kind of attention to Rucker Park, to be honest. I'm, and I'm, I'm going to give you the real talk. My man, Jay Monster, told Greg Marius, God bless the dead, listen, they play on NBA TV every fucking week. All eight games is on NBA TV. That's yeah. how we got on NBA TV. Right, Everybody right, right. wanted those slots. Of course. They was, only, course. they was only showing NBA TV games on Monday. That's it. Right. We played every Monday. Every yeah, Monday. I remember. We might have missed one game on Monday. That's what happened. Nobody ain't know that. You know what I'm saying? That's what happened. No way. We the home team. We playing every fucking Monday on TV. That's it. That's how it went. Shout out to Jay Monster. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many people who've played pivotal roles in my life. You can't do it by yourself. You need help. I don't care who you are. You need help. Right. Bone Definitely. Collector wouldn't be Bone Collector if he didn't get to look on TV and get this, this guy. He got the Reebok deal. He had the Reebok sneaker deal. Jay Monster made sure that happened. You understand what I'm saying? People got to help put you in certain positions. And then when you're there, you got to put on. I can get you there, but you got to fucking perform when you're there. And, and right away, or they'll forget about you real quick. And oh, that's on it. To the next guy. Yeah, definitely. Because you got to remember, in the big picture, this is street ball. Nobody gives a fuck about street ball in the big picture. Right, right, right. You know for what I'm sure. saying? You got to be yeah. special for that to happen. And when you get the opportunity, you put on. Yeah, I mean, players come and go so fast. Players you come know. and go, man. These guys yeah. see players every day. What do you think international scouts do? They go look yeah. at players. That's their job. So right. you better be pretty fucking special for them 
to get caught up on you from playground basketball. And I spoke to this before, Corey. Um, a lot of international scouts are really just looking at the college you played and the numbers you put up. Straight up. You know the deal. Yeah. They yeah, don't even care sure. about the name. What school you went to, what's your numbers? Exactly. You know why? Because that's the easier play. Definitely. You know, you safe, bet. safe bet. Safe it's bet. It's a for sure. safe bet. And for guess sure. what? If the masses see these numbers the same way, I'm looking at these numbers even if it doesn't work out, exactly. it's a safer move versus let's go get an unknown. Because if he don't work out, now your ass is on the line. And now, Corey, the opposite is in the NBA draft, which is the reason why I think Luka Doncic s- slipped. Because if Luka doesn't play well, you got a big problem. If a player were watching in March Madness on the NCAA on TV every day, if he doesn't play well, look, you could say, look, he did this in the NCAA. We seen him every night. He was killing you know, right. it, was a, it was a good pick. So it, it goes both ways, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. You're absolutely right. So, but yeah, you know, fast forward, I ended up um, playing. Um, I went to China. I got drafted. That's back in the day they used to have a draft camp to play in the CBA. I got right. drafted, go to China. I got injured, came home. And that summer, I went to, um, went back to New York. I was living in Denver at the time. I went back to New York, and I killed New York City, right? I ended up getting MVP at Rucker. I killed Rucker so bad that, yeah, I think I averaged about 30, 34, something like that. And I I killed Rucker so bad in the playoffs, legendary coach Tony Rosa went and got Ron Artest, right? We playing them in the playoffs. And he went and got Ron Artest to, um, to guard me. So I'm not talking about Metal World Peace. I want to be clear on this. I'm talking about Defensive Player of the Year, Indiana Pacer, Ron Ron, a.k.a. the True Warrior. MVP-level player, pretty much. This was the the year. He just got Defensive Player of the Year in, like, June. Right. So it was August, two months, fresh off. (laughs) Crazy. All right. So at this point, for me, it's a fork in the road. You know, you always said that, you know, you've been overlooked, nobody helped you, blah, blah, blah. Is a fucking defensive player in the NBA in front of you, and you're at Rucker, and it's on NBA TV. What the fuck are you going to do with that? Right. I ended up having 27, and I got MVP at Rucker after that game. We lost by two. Tony Rosa calls a timeout at one point. And in the huddle, he's like, yo, who the fuck is that? Ron Ron says, who the fuck is that? Tony Rosa said, that's homicide. Don't worry about that. We got to win this game. I'm going to back that up real quick again. He said, yo, who the fuck is that? He said, man, that's homicide. (laughs) Don't worry about that. We got to win this game. My point was, that was the hardest I've ever worked to score every basket right. I scored he was right it had to be precise a, a tenth of an inch off a tenth of an inch a percent slower it would have been a right problem. and your game's a lot about angles too so you understood that for sure mentally what that yeah. did for me was if the defensive player of the year in the NBA 
couldn't stop me. One-on-one, can't nobody stop me. That's that. I go, I go play overseas following that game. And we lost by two, right? I go overseas following that game. Came back. Nobody was talking about me, right? Um, Slam Magazine, that's when Slam would put out Slam Streetball issue. And they would talk about players. And they were still talking about the same fucking players. A Butter, Kareem Reed, Ali Moe, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, fuck this shit. This, I ain't getting disrespected no more. You motherfuckers, watch this. And that was the summer of homicide. I came home, I averaged 40 everywhere. I averaged 40 in Pro City. I averaged 40 at Rucker. I averaged 40 at Dykeman, at Kingdome, at West Fourth, at Hoops in the Sun. That summer, the first game, that's the beef that me and Ali Moe had. God bless the dead. It was Ali Moe, John Strick, God bless the dead. Fucking at the that was the four and five. At the one, they had Kenny Satterfield. At the two, they had J.R. Smith. At the three, they had Dante Jones. NBA TV. Damn. I gave him 46. Yeah. I gave him 46. That Oof. game got Jim Todd, who is the assistant coach of the Toronto Raptors, to come see me. That was the first game I was opening day at Rucker Park, and we lost that game. I missed four free throws in a row. I should have had 51 in that game. And after that game, I cried. Because crazy. I had the game to win, and I couldn't win it, and we lost. But in the big picture, Jim you Todd, <laughs> Jim Todd called me, for sure, right? A man named Tony Parker, um, who's my mentor, had a relationship with Jim Todd, and Jim Todd told him 15, 20 years ago, "Look, if you ever got anybody who you feel." can play at this level and you want me to give him a look, let me know. I take your word. He said, all right. He never used that favor for nobody, but he used it for me. Tony Parker. Not, wow. not No relation to Tony Parker from France, but right, right. Tony Parker calls Jim Todd. Jim Todd watches the shit. Boom. Let me tell you the difference. Jim Todd knows and coach with Jim Couch. Jim Couch is a New York legend, legendary coach, Definitely. right? Coach Couch. Now, why Jim Todd got everything that we are about in New York basketball culture is the fact that he coached at City College back in the day. So he knows New York is known for legendary playground ball players that can really play. Right. Now, at this point, and one is full of steam, right? And one fucked up people like myself opportunities because when people thought of, people didn't know Corey Williams, people knew homicide. So when you hear right, homicide, right, right. like the guy, oh, street ball and one and one marketed themselves in the world as the best street ball players in the world. So now at this point, when you're hearing street ball, if you don't, what well, they think you're doing, like tricks and stuff. There you go. They, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Gotcha. So I gotcha. have a personal hate for M1. Right, right. Because of the stigma that I had to fight. Bad enough. I don't have a big name or rep, and I gotta use real street ball 
to jumpstart this career I'm trying to get. I got to fight yeah. that. And again, you said it earlier, I was the only one. So what other fucking examples that have come, come through streetball from the park that got to the pros? No fucking body. Skip, iconic. He went to Fresno State. He was an All-American. He got drafted. Yep. Smush Parker, exactly. Fordham University. He was a free agent that got in. They didn't need the And park. also, yo, and Corey, and Skip, the Skip, Skip, they didn't need Skip the was at. Yeah, Skip was actually on my podcast, and he was talking about how when he went to college, he wanted to leave the street ball alone. There you so go. He knew that he he knew he knew that he, he had that to get away resume. from it. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? That's a fucking definitely. icon that was on it. Shout out to Skip. Yeah. He know what it is. Definitely shout out to you Skip. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Facts. I For had sure. the park. You can't name me not one. You can't name me a person that did that uh-huh. shit. You can't name one. I don't talk about it like that, but we gonna we talking about it now. Right, this right. type of shit. I can't go on anybody podcast and talk like this. Who ain't from the culture? Who ain't playing right, it? Right. Who grew up in it and amongst it. Right. That's why it's easy for me to talk like this on this shit. This ain't Appreciate politically you. correct. This is real talk. Right. You know what I'm saying? So Jim Todd comes, calls me one day. Hey, Homicide, how you doing? What's up, coach? What's going on? Like, like I was talking to you earlier when I just woke up. He said, "Um, you got a game today." I said, yeah. He said, where you playing at, Rucker? I said, nah. He said, Pro City? I said, no. He said, where you playing? I said, I'm playing with Dykeman. He's like, all right, what time? I said, like, seven. He said, cool. Did the, did the game start there. at nine, though? I know the game started at nine. If <laughs> It's at 7.30. <laughs> yeah. He said, all right, I'll see you there. I said, all right. There's another fork in the road. There's another what fork happened? in the road. You have to understand what's going on right now. An NBA coach just got off the phone with me and said, I'm coming to watch you play at Dykeman tonight at 7. Right. All your life, I didn't have any help. Nobody believed in me. You're at a street ball game in about 12 hours, and an NBA coach is coming to watch you play. What are you going to do? There's two things going to happen. All right? Talk about opportunity. Talk about timing. He's coming to your home, basically, to watch you play. I'm not telling nobody nothing. I'm on a layup line playing against Team 914, the number one team at Rucker. Back in those days, right. as soon as I touch the court, there's a double team from the first fucking quarter. <laughs> That shit must be annoying when, when you got NBA scouted, the crowd, you got double teams, man. Let me tell you, God was <laughs> with me that day. You hear me? God was with me that day. I got single coverage in wow. the first half. I finished the first half with 25 points. And at the end, at halftime, to end halftime, I got a steal and I finished with a dunk. Kenny got up and said, this when Kenny was fucking on the mic. Right, right, Kenny right. said, yep. y'all got to get up and get this dude a standing ovation. Nobody knew. Jim Todd was on the gate, plain clothes, NBA scout shit, a, a pair of chinos on, chino shorts, and a fucking polo. No, no Undercover. NBA logo on him at all Undercover. whatsoever. Chilling. Right. On the gate. He wasn't even in the fucking venue. At the gate, on the street side, watching. Charlie Villanueva was with him because that's when they just drafted Charlie. The second half, right. 
they double teamed me. All I did was penetrate and pass to the open man. I finished with 29, and I had 25 at half. We lost. After the end of the game, you know what he said to me? Which I knew he was going to say this. He said, you know what impressed me most? Not your 25 at half. Your ability when the double teams came to find the open man. Right. I ain't no fucking idiot. I know that if I got to the NBA, I would be a 2020 player. You know what that is? I'd be in the fucking game if I'm up 20 or if we down 20. You're not in there to fucking score. Jalen Rose is there. Chris Bosh is there. Mo Pete is there. You're there to fucking, when you're in there, play fucking defense. Penetrate and kick to the open fucking man. Don't turn that bitch over and fucking clap and chill. That's why you're there. That's the third point guard's position. Push the starting point guard position. Push the starting point guard in practice. That's it. Right. Don't give a fuck about my 25 points. They got 30, 40, $50 million motherfuckers to score. I right. ended up going to training camp, did preseason with the Raptors because of that, straight from the park. So Alvin Williams at the time, here's the story. Alvin Williams at the time was the point guard. He used to go to Villanova. He was with Toronto pretty much his whole career. But his knees got fucked up. So the last year and a half, he didn't play because of really bad knees. You know, they had Skip up there at the point. Sam Mitchell was the coach. They had Skip at the point. They had brought in Jose Calderon, and they had um, Alvin Williams. But Alvin Williams couldn't play. So they brought in three-point guards. If the doctors say Alvin Williams cannot play, they'll take one of the three. Right? So you got myself, right. a kid from the street. I got fucking T.A. Brown, who was with the Lakers the year before. And they brought in veteran Robert Pack, which is always safe. He's a veteran. You know what you're going to get. Yeah. There's no fucking way Robert Pack is going to bust my ass or I don't bust his ass. He's too little and he's old. Tia Brown, <laughs> um, this is a fact. Tia Brown yeah. is like a homicide. And what I mean by that is that motherfucker get buckets. He's a scoring point guard. But at the time, they didn't need that. Right? So right, right. he is a guy, when he get the ball, he's playing like I play in the street. When I get, I'm going. I ain't looking to pass. That's what he was doing because that's his game. But I knew that they didn't need that. So for me to make this team, I got to do the little things. I got to pick a motherfucker up full court, turn him twice. You know what I mean? Penetrate, get to the rack, kick it. The way I penetrate with the lanes open, I'm going to get to the basket, which means the defense is going to collapse. Whoever collapsed, just kick it. That's it. If you can get a bucket, right. cool. But don't go in there looking to score. Right. So right. did some preseason games and shit. You know, at that point, it'd be difficult to get in because they got to play their guys. There's three point guards there. So one game you may not play. One game another guy play a couple of minutes. You know what I mean? It'd be shit like that. But the game that basically changed everything for me was we played against the New Jersey Nets. Vince Carter was traded to the Nets that offseason. And there's a guy named Tracy Lamar Murray. Lamar Murray was was uh with Toronto and they traded Vince and he was like if y'all dumb enough to trade the fucking best player on the team trade me too so he went with the trade as well so now we playing against New Jersey we're down 10 points five minutes left this might have been preseason game number five Sam Mitchell calls a timeout 
game is pretty much done in his head. He's like, man, I felt it in the air. Nobody got cut yet. Um, it's three games left, maybe preseason. So somebody got to go. Yeah. So he subs me, Robert Pack, and Tia Brown in at the same time. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm coming to play point. It's three of us in there. You can't just keep running to the ball. We look stupid like that. You know what I mean? So two of us got to fill the wings. I'm like, fuck it. You know, we go down the court. He calls another timeout. Timeout. I'm like, okay. We go in. He said, whoever the fuck Lamar Murray is guarding, give him the fucking ball. God was with me again. Who the fuck is Lamar Murray guarding? Me. We call Zipper. Zipper is when the point guard's at the top. He dribbles to the left or the right. That wing player who he dribbles out comes underneath the basket and goes straight up to the key. Get it on the top, and it's an ISO. That's what I do. That shit turned to fucking Rucker Park, bro. Air Canada (laughs) for five minutes turned to Rucker Park. Not only did we go to overtime, we won the fucking game. I had 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals. We won that fucking game, yo. That's crazy. The next day we go to practice. Robert Pack, cut. T.A. Brown, cut. I said, oh, shit. Not only did that game save my life, it looks like I'm on this team. But I you don't want to get your hopes too up, right? Was that, was that no, in your Not at too? all. Not at all. Oh, okay. I, okay. I was always the first guy in practice, and I was always the last guy to leave. I used to go to practice right. two hours before practice began. Listen, I, I prayed for this. I prayed for this. So yeah. if I make this team or not, I'm going to be able to look at myself in the mirror every day for the rest of my life after that moment, knowing I gave it all I had. I don't live with what ifs. What if I would have done this more? What if I would have done that more? Nah, I gave it all I had. Alvin Williams is in practice now trying to play. I can't knock him. I'm older now. If there's, if I got like 20 million left on my contract and I feel like I can play, I'm a play. Long story short, doctors said he was able to play. That's why they make that team. That's politics. I mean, a lot, a lot of people, you know, make politics as an excuse, but that shit is real in some, in some instances. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. You know what? I yeah. walked away happy, thankful for an opportunity because no one else gave me that opportunity. And guess what happened from there? I ended up going to the minor league, you know, had the most triple doubles after that. D-League, right? At the time, it was the CBA. The D-League came the oh, next okay, year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, the D-League right, 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 came okay. the next year and bought Okay. All the CBA teams. Right, right. So okay. after that, um, I ended up going to uh, mini camp with Boston, mini camp with Indiana, summer league with the Pacers. Then I went to training camp, vet camp, and uh, with the Nuggets. Then I went to the D League, won the chip as a starting point guard with the Dakota Wizards. Then I went to summer league with Golden State. And then I'm like, all right. Remember, all these opportunities came for me older. I was 27 when I got the shot with Toronto. You know what I'm saying? So at right. this point, two years after, I'm 29. You know, so I'm like, my resume looks better than it's ever been. For sure. 
once you get that MBA, there you, you go. Know, those MBA looks, there your you go. overseas money goes up tremendously. There you most go. And you get a better agent. Yeah. And you get a better agent. Yeah. Right. So then what happened was from there, um, 29, I'm like, I need to go get some real money now. So yep. my agent was like, look, uh, Australia is a really good league. I see you can, I can see you excelling in because New York City guards do really well there. I said, all right, cool, right. let's go. I hit the ground running. It was a league that, it's a run and gun league. You know, Europe was never my type of league because it's half court. I'm not fucking Ray Allen. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. have a fucking consistent yeah. gun at the behind the three to really do well high-level Europe. You Definitely. know what I'm saying? So, Definitely. Or be in a position where you got the pill. That wasn't any situation that I was in in Europe. Any. And that and that lane that lane is super clogged in Europe. Super clogged. For sure. You know, so yeah. I ended up going to Australia, hit the ground running. I played one year with Townsville Crocs. Then they gave me um a two-year contract so i played three nice. seasons with the townsville crocs i did really well we ended up losing to go to the championship game three on the road my last those, those two years i got mvp of the league i left i went to greece to a big club um, at the time they were going to be in euro league called marusi but they um they didn't pay me so i left in my fourth season i came back and i played with melbourne tigers then after that, I went to the Middle East. But when I came here, what I was able to do was be successful on the court. And the longer you are in one country, the bigger your fan base becomes because I'm not just jumping around country to country. You know, so people got a, a chance to get to know me more than a basketball player. You know what I mean? More than just right, right. up and down the court, which helped tremendously. You know, obviously, um, you know, we New Yorkers, we talk shit. I was talking shit and backing it up. I was, you know, I put it to people like this. Like, I was Westbrook before Westbrook in Australia. You know what I mean? Just right, like right, right, right. coming loud, clothes, shit talking, style, mohawk, and getting buckets. You know what right. I'm saying? So, with all of that, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. You know, with all of that, um, five years after leaving Australia, I ended up playing in the Middle East, but I went to, um, I got a job opportunity here. You know, I was in the country visiting a friend, working out, waiting to go back to Lebanon. I was posting on Instagram and, you know, they found out I was in the country and said, look, we want to talk to you, you know? And it basically was like, look, we want you to be a commentator and broadcast on the NBL on Fox Sports. So I said, I'm not a commentator. They said, we don't care. I said, I still play pro. I said, they said, we don't care. I said, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving in like three weeks. I'm just waiting for my contract to come from Lebanon and I'm out. We don't care. Yeah. We want you on air as long as we can have you. Now, in a lot of situations, you're never in a position to ask a certain question for fear of losing the opportunity. Definitely. This position, Definitely. when someone adamantly wants you, you can ask certain shit that you wouldn't ask. So I'm like, there's a bunch of guys that are brothers here that played in the NBL, that have been successful, who live in Australia. Australia's a beautiful place. 
So people live here and don't go back home. Right, you right, know? right. So definitely. I said to yeah. him, why you want me so bad? Why me? They said, your personality, people are drawn to you. We haven't had anybody like you since you left. So right there, a light bulb clicked in my head. And this is very important what I'm going to say to you right now. I said a lot of key and important things, but this is important because it's relevant in a lot of our lives. Opportunities like this don't just fall in my lap. You know what I mean? Us as import or international professional basketball players, our, our body of work is done on foreign soil. Okay? I don't give a fuck how amazing your career was or was it. Your body of work is not done at home in America. It's done on foreign soil. Right. I have two degrees. Here's the reality. If I go home and say, okay, cool. Save some money. Now it's time to get a job. What would my pay scale be with the two degrees that I have? Be fucking nothing because do I have experience in my degree? Do I have work experience? No. I've been playing fucking basketball my whole life. I have a criminal justice degree. I have no experience in that. So this opportunity is only right because majority of my professional career on a consistent basis, right? There's three places my body of work has been great. Lebanon in the Middle East, Australia, and streetball in New York. Because those are the places that I've applied my work consistently in these areas. I wasn't bouncing around. Yeah. So guys that play overseas will never get opportunities like this on U.S. soil at home because their body of work isn't there. You know, respectfully, a guy in the NBA, when he's done, what the fuck is he trying to do? Get on TNT. You know, if he's doing this type of work. You know, when guys are done yeah. with football, media, you know, media, yeah, media. get as close back to the game as possible. Most guys, when they're done playing ball overseas, what do motherfuckers do? Try to get back to their school to coach or train because that's yeah. what they've been doing. It's basketball related. Mm-hmm. I don't know nobody. And I've, I think this is my second time going on record saying this. I don't know anybody my era, current, that played overseas as an import that's back in that country doing what I'm doing right now. I What I do is no different than Shannon Sharp, Jalen Rose, Stephen A., Skip, and Mark Jackson on game day. That's what I do for the hottest basketball league in the world outside the NBA. Most definitely right now it is, and it's getting crazier. You understand what I'm saying? I'm watching young kids and giving my honest opinion, good or bad. I don't give a fuck if people are mad. I keep it real. That's what I'm here to do, looking at it, and I'm seeing what's going on. That's what I do. I tell people all day. During the week, I do exactly what the fuck Jalen Rose, Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless, fucking Stephen A. do We're on hoops. On the weekends when it's game time, I'm fucking Mark Jackson. 
expert commentary, whatever you want to call it, analysis, broadcast. Right. But that's what I right. You know, which is crazy. I was actually I was actually thinking about the NBL this morning. And before we get to the NBL, I wanted to I want to sum up everything like this. This is a crazy story. First of all, I knew a lot of it, but I didn't know all of it. And I think a lot of your success from the outside looking in is due to self-awareness. I think you're you're so self-aware. Like, put it this way. In in high school, you knew you weren't the best player there. A lot of guys from New York think they're the best player in their school, even though they're not. Like, like most 16-year-olds think they're the best player in New York City. You know, you went to JUCO. You knew the guy in front of you was better. But you knew where, how you needed to get there, and you knew what you needed to do to get to the next level. And I think that's what separated you from a lot of other people. Even in the NBA, you were like, I knew I was going to be a 2020 guy. I think that's what separates you. I, I think that you got to be real, man. You yeah, know? you got to be real. Just because you may get in as a 2020 player, who's to say that You're, you know a point guard gets hurt? Now they got to play. Okay, now let me show right, you. What I'm right, right. Step by step process for sure. Step by step, it's a process, man. You know, and you sure. you're right. Self awareness. You have to know where you are, who you are, or what is it going to take for this situation to work. Who do you have right. to be and wholeheartedly be in that? It ain't a gimmick. I think so many. Like I think so many New York players. I think so many New York players are missing that, man. A I mean, lot. a lot. That could, because yeah, all we do is yeah. blow smoke up, up under each other's asses. Oh, this the man. He's dope. He's a fact. He ain't fucking nothing. Get in the fucking gym <laughs> work. Do this shit on the other side of, of a different state. Go do that against the top somebody else in another state. Then let's Right, right. Come on, man. Right. Come on, man. You know, so that's where I'm at. That's what's going on. You know, this is my third season about to start next week. We're in the NBL. And this is going to be a breakthrough season. You know, this offseason was incredible. You know, I had an opportunity to uh, commentate and be a part of the exhibition games, the FIBA exhibition games for World Cup in Australia, you know. Team right. I wanted to games. I wanted to ask you this, Corey. The NBL, what I know you we obviously know the Euroleague is so different in terms of style, but talent level, how does it compare to Euroleague? Which might not be a fair comparison because Euroleague is among like it's across so many different countries, you know. Yeah, and I mean the NBL is only only in two and really really one. Really There's like one. one team in New Zealand. For yeah, me, really I one. Mean, so how how talent wise, how is the level compared to no, 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 no. Euroleague is fucking Euroleague. You right, know, right, I would right. say and if you if we count Euroleague, I would say obviously NBA, Euroleague, Spain. Right. Right? ACP. Well there's well there's teams in Spain that play both, but you're right. Right. Sure. But I'm just saying if I'm right. ranking, if I'm doing ranking. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So where does NBL fall in? Because I think I a would, lot of people want to know. I would go you know? NBL right after. NBL really? right after. And NBL would be tied okay. with something and I'll tell you why. NBL would be tied with uh let's say like you put Italy. Italy and right. Italy NBA. Here's why, right? I played in a lot of fucking countries, right? And right. you have nights off. Meaning, you know a team. I ain't gotta play. The main the main dude don't gotta play in this game and you'll still win. You can't right. do that in the NBL. Your worst the worst team, Scott Machado's on the worst team. Yeah, starting point. He's a starting point guard, right? That's saying right. he's a starting point guard for the worst team that I believe they'll finish last. 
Yeah. But and Scott, Scott, Scott was in the league last year. Nate Joao. Scott was in the league last year. Fucking league last year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you get paid on time. Every game, last year, every game, the point difference, the average in the league last year was 10, which means what? They ain't no fucking blowouts in this league. Yeah. Right? You get paid on time. You practice one a day. You know, competition is stiff. Um, everything is ran professionally. These days, again, I forgot I got paid. This shit was directed. Oh, fuck, I got paid yesterday. Oh, <laughs> come on, man. Overseas, you're like, fuck, man, this motherfucker better pay me. What about those yeah, stories? Man. You ain't practicing twice a day. There's less wear and tear in your body. You know what I'm saying? Like, the shit is ran professionally. I done seen some right. tough-ass players come over here who done bodied Europe, came over here and sucked. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I done seen NBA players come to this league and ain't do what they should have done and got sent home. The team sucked. Right. It's it's about to it's about to get really crazy too. And I wanted to know, um, do you like honestly this season for Lamelo's team might be the most attention any team has ever got in a domestic league. Like honestly, if you think about it, oh, yeah. I mean that year it, 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 in 2010, right? The, the biggest thing would have been if Kobe went to Italy because they were talking about that during the lockout season. That didn't happen. So, I, like, this really might be the most attention any team ever got overseas, to be honest. I mean, let's think about this. Let's back up, right? Brandon Jennings was the first guy to do this. Right, and right. People barely even watched what was going on in Italy with him for Definitely. first Roma. Shout out to Brandon Definitely. Jennings. Brandon Jennings was fucking stud. You know what I'm saying? And he went to Virtus Roma and he barely played. Now, right, right, as for far, sure. I mean, two different eras, but fast forward, you got a kid that has five million Instagram followers. Five million. The whole world is watching this kid. And what I saw him do last week, there's no way he keep this up. There's no way he ain't number one. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. There's no way he's not number one. I don't give a fuck what's going on in college. They're playing against kids over there. This motherfucker's playing against men in one of the best leagues in the world. Yep. I saw him play and I watch it. the defensive, a defensive-minded, defending champs, physically the toughest team in the league. Yes, it's preseason. That's cool. I get it. But this team don't go about it like it's preseason when they're playing. Because it's not in their DNA to just turn it off and on. They come into play, you come into work. That's how that team is. So for him to have 20 points, 13 rebounds, okay, he's 6'7". Don't get that twisted. Then you got seven assists, seven or eight assists, three steals. And they won in overtime. Yo, when I tell you the poise... On this kid. This kid was in cruise control. And he was in control. The pressure didn't bother him. I needed to see him do that. Against that fucking team. The guy that was guarding him. Six time defensive player of the year. In the NBL. Six. Five time champion. You ain't gonna fucking tell me. If a kid come in with this much hype. And you guarding him. 
you gonna get on his highlight tape? That's what you gonna do? You got a fucking family to feed. Ain't no way I'm gonna let no little ass kid show me the fuck up. I'm gonna let him know what it is. Preseason yeah. or not. I played the game. I know what the fuck a mindset is when you're playing against somebody. Especially if you know all the hype this person got. If you are competitive in your genes, in the makeup of your body mentally, I'm not about to let this kid get off. And the fucking kid got off and won. Nah, B. The way he was doing it and how he did it, that motherfucker's number one pick. That's crazy, man. You know, I saw the interview uh, you had with uh, Lamelo and RJ, and I actually spoke about this on a on a previous podcast. You know, when you were uh, asking Lamelo, like, do you realize who you're playing against? And you know, a lot of people will, will give you that energy, like they're trying to prove that they don't care who they're playing against. But you could really tell, like, he didn't care. He like, really did. Like, honestly, like, 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 you. It wasn't like, man, I don't like, the, like, kind of like people from New York do this. Like, I don't care. I'll play against anybody. Like, it, it it's kind of like too much. You know what I mean? No, but his was like quiet confidence. Like he really didn't care. And he wasn't trying to prove it to you that he didn't care. He just really didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what I, that's what I got from it. Yeah. And I said that before the games, I said that before he was killing in it. Like, that's what I got from it. Yeah. You know, and mind you, oh, I'm sorry. I left this out. There was 28 scouts there. Yeah. That's crazy. 28 scouts sitting courtside. So what he just turned 18 a month ago. So, what were you doing at 18? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. That kid mindset is incredible, B. And um, his mentor is with him, too. His mentor, coach, like big brother, Jermaine Jackson, who played in the NBA, who played in the minor league, who played overseas. So the biggest asset Melo has is Jermaine is with him, keeping him sharp, locked in. Could you imagine yeah. going overseas by yourself at seventeen? Come on, man. Is he seven? Is he seventeen still? He just turned eighteen. He got here at seventeen. But my point is, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. What were you doing at seventeen? We gotta be mindful that their kids. R.J. Hampton is doing his fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? His first game, he was in foul trouble, which is normal. Welcome to the pros. The motherfucker had. 11 points, four rebounds, three assists in 21 yeah. minutes. No, you, you could watch a highlight for a second until he's a pro. Like, the, his his body language, his poise, his size. You understand what Jack I'm saying? A pro. Projected yeah, a pro, one man. guy's projected number six. The other guy's projected number three. Yeah. You know? Then RJ's second game, he has 20 points, seven rebounds, four steals. RJ's third game last night. He had, no, RJ's third game, he had 19, 3, 3, and 3. He played last night. Let me read the stats to you. 18 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 3, three blocks, 1 turnover, 32 minutes. Listen. No fucking joke, because this ain't a cupcake league. The shit they're doing... They're making the shit look normal and easy. This is what I'm telling you. The whole yeah. world is watching this. Scott Van Pelt was on ESPN publicly apologizing on what he thought about Melo because all these high executives in the NBA 
and scouts are completely doing a 180 and saying this kid could be a legitimate number one pick. He keeps this up. I don't need them to co-sign what the fuck I already know. But when you got a guy like Scott Van Pelt apologizing, come on, man. This shit is real, bro. For sure. For sure. Before before we get out of here, I wanted to hear your thoughts on how much this is a game changer for the NBL and even the NCAA. Like, what do, what do you think this all means for the NCAA? I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on them because this experiment, because right. that's exactly what it is. And I mean that in every, with respect, you've never had two kids with this much hype try this at the same time in the NBL. It's called the Next Stars program, which give guys that have the opportunity to be one-and-done players, talent, skip college, come over here, you get paid, and you play. You develop while you're playing. You develop on your body and your mind. And, you know, basically, this is like the uh, a high-level G League for them overseas. You know what I'm saying? Right. And they're, get, and they're getting paid more. And they're getting paid. Than the G League. They're getting six figures. Yeah, yeah. They're getting That's 100K. Crazy. I... So nice. once this works and they get drafted, they'll leave and talk about the awesome experience that it was and how much love it is here. And Lamelo's gonna get Lamelo's gonna get a big shoe deal, and RJ already has a shoe deal. So, so my point is, yeah. of course he's gonna get a, a shoe deal. But my point is, <laughs> talking about the experience of, you know, the NBL. What do you think their peers are gonna do? Shit, if that shit worked for Melo and 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 RJ, I want to do it. So now the NCAA is going to be risking losing the one-and-done players to a little old league in Australia. Crazy, man. So, you know, reform is coming. Reform is coming. It has to, you know. So ultimately, they're going to have to eliminate that, that um, one-year-in-college rule. Because they only do it in the NBA. They don't want these young, you know, black and brown and Latino kids getting rich. There's no other league in the world outside of that football. Guys are turning pro every in every other league, 13, 14. That's true. You know yeah, I mean? in every so, other country. You know. Yeah. Corey, man, this was, this was a great conversation, man. Now, hope to do it again soon. You're always welcome back on the show. Um, where can we find you, man? Where can um, we find you? On social media and everywhere else. Yeah, um, on Instagram, see Homicide. On Twitter, see homicide. On Facebook, see homicide, and my website, <laughs> CoreyWilliams.net. We also launched. Um, you know, notice I wear wolf a lot. I do. We just partnered up and um, with another Australian group called Ass Color. Um, some really uh, great material in the clothing. The range just dropped tomorrow. The the site will be live. Wolf Life dot com dot au you know set, actually send that to me i'll put it in the description of the pod yeah i will for sure i will yeah man. okay so you know um just all systems go man very thankful and humble for this opportunity you know i i understand i have a responsibility and i treat it as that if i'm the first one depending on what my experience is and what happens with this space that i'm in there's others that play ball overseas that get opportunity. That's how I look at everything I do. 
how I dress, how I talk, how I move, how I act. It's very important because it's a bigger picture. It's a bigger picture. For sure. And that was amazing. Amazing conversation. You're always welcome back on the show. Thanks, Corey, man. I appreciate you more than you know. Peace, brother. There it is. Episode 100 is in the books. Big shouts to Corey for joining in. We appreciate you. And thanks to everyone who listens to Combos Court across the globe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys mean the world to me. Go leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment right in the comment section of your Apple Podcast app. Take a screenshot of this episode. Post it on your Instagram stories. Tag me. I'll repost it. Be on the lookout for episode 101. Combo out.